does begin as a kind of a space opera, you know, sci-fi, bang em up, but it quickly turns into a very high stakes um, morality tale, uh, full-blown tragedy that uh, packs a wallop, if you allow it to, where lessons perhaps can be derived from it and and we can see a lot of the things that we bring up here kind of brought out in this pop culture uh, storytelling that is Star Wars. Hello and welcome back to Mind Matters, everyone. On today's show, we're going to be continuing on the very rich and deep messages of the Apostle Paul and Zoroaster, the Stoics, and other material we've been covering in these past few months with the very high literary value of the films of George Lucas, otherwise known as the Star Wars films. And the reason we're going into this subject a little bit is because we have found that many of the ideas that we've been looking at and communicating and learning for ourselves are very well demonstrated and fleshed out in popular culture in the form of a movie called Revenge of the Sith. Now, most people are familiar with the Star Wars films. You had Star Wars and You Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. In those movies, we followed the exploits of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia as they tried to restore peace to the galaxy in their efforts to battle the evil empire, headed in great degree by Darth Vader, who we learned is Luke Skywalker's father. And Luke also comes to learn that Darth Vader also happens to be his daddy, his father. And that before Darth Vader became this incredibly evil tool and vehicle for galactic terror, he was a Jedi. He was a kind of warrior priest who was good before certain things took him over, before he became possessed by Darth Vader and was killed effectively. So, by the end of the third film, Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader ends up switching sides yet again. He saves Luke Skywalker from the the destruction of, or the destruction by the Emperor, Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious is this uh, puppet master who Darth Vader answers to. And it begs the question, who was Darth Vader before he became Darth Vader? How could he have made the changeover from Anakin Skywalker, a Jedi who's lived a principled life and who was fighting for good, to this maniacal, monstrous, half-machine, half-man personification of evil who would crush and defeat his enemies at the drop of a hat and cause untold suffering for 
parts of the galaxy that refuse to bend to the will of the Empire. So this question gets answered for us in the trilogy, the prequels. And those prequels are uh, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace in 1999, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones in 2002, but most especially in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, which is where we really see a young Anakin Skywalker pre-Darth Vader, become manipulated into manifesting the dark side, the dark mind. And that's where we're going to go today with this show. That's what we're going to be looking at. Because a lot of the, a lot of the twists in his thinking and the manipulations that we see Anakin subject to and a lot of the fears that he has are those things which ultimately turn him into this, uh, this vehicle for evil that was capable of causing untold suffering for so many. So that's a little bit of an intro, and I guess we can go anywhere from, from that point. I know that you know, it had been a while since I'd seen it, and, and I was quite impressed with uh, how all of these... Uh, how the turn of Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader came to be. So I guess we can go in any direction well, at this point. Yeah, you, you asked who, uh, who was Darth Vader before he became Darth Vader, and um, I think that, that answer was disappointing to a lot of people uh, who enjoyed the Star Wars and then watched the prequels. And, you know, they, they saw, like, Saturday morning cartoons, and then Anakin Skywalker was this, like, just total wimp. Just this whiny, this whiny kid who was, you know, didn't have, he didn't have enough power. Nobody liked him. You know, they, he, he, didn't, he didn't think he was getting what he deserved um, and because he felt entitled to, to everything. And I think that people were just turned off by that in in a big way and that's one reason why um you know the clone wars kind of just went out and never really came back to be you know discussed or to be you know uh, considered worth watching at all and i mean i really hadn't watched that in quite some time it had been years since i watched you know revenge of the sith and going back and watching it with new eyes now I, i'm I'm watching it. And I was like, yeah, there are some good dramatic elements, you know, deep within this relatively what I consider to be a botched um, attempt at, you know, creating a, a trilogy for the prequels. But there's a lot in there um, still that you can kind of flesh out in terms of understanding how um, entitlement and how this, you know, the kind of criminal selfish mind of, of an individual can and open them up to... Uh, to becoming what they never thought that they could become, a, a monster they never thought possible. And I think that's, that's the big thing that, um, that you take away from, from watching this movie is that that's, and that's the thing that I think a lot of us can, can resonate with. Uh, anybody who's, who's seen The Joker or who has seen you know, Taxi or just different shows about how um, just the simple things in life and simple attitudes and the bad attitudes can lead to horrendous consequences. You know, just uh, mental illness that's gone unchecked and, uh, you 
know, just like I said, bad attitudes that don't get corrected can lead um, to extremely negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it had been 15 years since I saw the movie. I think I'd, I think I'd only seen it once, maybe twice, but um, you know, when it first came out, and then watching it again, and all I remember is not really having any interest in watching any of the first three movies again and any of the prequels. And so when we watched this one, I was actually surprised at, uh, at how good it was. Um, I was like, Oh, well that's actually worth watching. Cause it's, it's, it's pretty entertaining. It, it's entertaining in just, uh, the kind of spectacle ways. Like it's got great graphics and scenes and one liners. The one liners are actually pretty good and entertaining. That's why they've all been memed in the years since then. <clears throat> Um, but it's also got, like you guys were saying, some depth to it. There's some really good characterization that goes on. I think that despite people hating on Anakin, and especially the actor that plays him, Hayden Christensen, um, is it, he is a good character, and the, the arc that he goes through, in, especially in this film, in Revenge of the Sith, is believable. Like It fits into not only the the original trilogy like leading up to them and and it, it's a plausible prequel to those to those films but it's actually just really well done in this self-contained manner because we know going into this movie that that Anakin Skywalker is going to turn to the dark side we also know that he's going to redeem himself uh, eventually you know many years in the future so we've got that in mind and they George Lucas manages to Put all the elements in Anakin's storyline that make all that make sense, and primarily it's done with. There's four. I, I counted four key scenes, interactions between um, uh, who, who be, the, the man who becomes Emperor Palpatine um, and Anakin. There's the first one where Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker are going to rescue Palpatine from uh, Count Dooku on this ship during this this uh, space war that's going on um in the you know in space above this planet and obi-wan gets knocked out he's unconscious so it's just dooku um it's just dooku Pal palpatine and anakin and palpatine eggs anakin on to execute count dooku and does so in such a way that he, this is the first real manipulation. Well, the first manipulation in the in this film, um, because they have a relationship already. They, you know, Anakin and him have have a past, have a history together. Um, him and Palpatine, and so Dooku's on the on the floor, and Anakin's holding his Skywalker, his lightsaber, and his own, mm -hmm. um, and you know, about to decapitate him. And he hesitates. He's like, "Well, you know, I shouldn't do this." And then Palpatine says, "No, you know, kill him." Um, and what does he say? He says that, um, um, yeah, he just says, kill him now. And then Anakin hesitates. And then in his very Palpatine voice, he just says, do it. <laughs> and, 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 and says that it's only natural afterwards, after he kills him, you know, Anakin's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, he was an unarmed captive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's unethical. It's not, a, it's not the Jedi way. And Palpatine gives him the rationalizations um, that it's, it's a, well, he obviously wanted revenge because they had, him and Dooku had a past. Mm -hmm. And it's only natural to want revenge. And um, 
And so he was a dangerous guy. He had to be taken out. So just do it. It, it was fine. So he, instead of being like a positive influence in this moment, he, he really, in, in this very the expertly manipulative way, pushes him over this first kind of, pushes him down this first step. And and does it in such a way that it, that he, that Anakin afterwards can still tell himself, "Oh well, I defeated Count Dooku. You know, he was a bad he was a bad dude, and uh, I saved I saved Palpatine." So he gets all the all the honor for for this act when really he had just executed someone in cold blood that he didn't need to. And and yet through so that's the first scene. There are three other ones, but. Throughout the film, you have these. You can see this struggle in the in Anakin's mind. How he has these positive tendencies and these positive characteristics, but he also has these negative ones, and he retains the positive ones, you know, throughout throughout the film. And they they, it's kind of like they they start out like this in his positive characteristics, and they're still there, they're still there, they're still there until by the end of the film, they're positive only in name only. He, he, they're purely as rationalizations. Um, we'll get to, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the end of the film. But in this one, he does show that hesitation in the leading up to that scene as they're boarding the ship, he and Obi-Wan are in their, um, you know, their fighters, their fighter jets, essentially spaceships. And they're, they've got a, a whole squad of other pilots behind them. And they're, you know, the other pilots are getting taken out by all of these, you know, enemy droid ships and Anakin's the one that wants to go back and help them out and save them and it's Obi-Wan who tells him no you know they're doing what they have to do that's you know essentially that's part of the that's part of the job description um you know to be cannon fodder mm -hmm. and so Anakin's like okay so he stays on the mission and when after he kills Dooku Palpatine says okay let's go and let's leave Obi-Wan Kenobi who's unconscious underneath this you know massive metal you know thing that's fallen on him and, but at that point, Anakin says, no, you know, we're not leaving. We're all in, you know, we're all in this together. And he makes sure to save Obi-Wan. So he, right at the beginning, you see these positive aspects of his personality, mm -hmm. but they're in, they're in conflict with the, the negative ones. In this one, it's, you know, he wants, he, he wants revenge. He wants to kill Dooku, but there's still the part holding him back. But he also, in just the, that first scene, you see that he is uh, arrogant you see that he is very talented, but the but that goes to it to his head and fuels his own arrogance. And he's also kind of um, youthfully sensation seeking. Like he wants to go and not party, but he wants to have fun and go overboard. You know, he wants to take risks. He wants to um, essentially be a teenager as this in as a Jedi in training. So you can see that behavior in the in the kind of reckless decisions that he makes, which aren't you know they're not. They're not evil things, but they just show that aspect of his personality. So he does have this arrogance. He has this ambition. He has this ambition to be this great Jedi master. And, of course, Palpatine, being the expert manipulator, sees all of this in him and therefore knows exactly which buttons to push. And that's what he does in those succeeding scenes where they interact with each other. It's almost like he doesn't, Palpatine doesn't need to be psychic, but it's almost like he's got this psychic insight into exactly what, um, what Anakin is thinking and then the exact right thing to say in order to bring that, in order to feed that negative aspect of himself and to, to cover over the, the good aspect. Um, before we get into the next scenes, I'll, I'll, I'll I want to talk about one more progression 
And this one I can I can lay out the whole progression. I mean, that's his relationship with Padme, played by Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. And when you st when it starts out, you can see this is actually one of the positive bits about Anakin's personality is the love that he has for Padme. And all the things he does are for her. At least that's what his initial motivation, but by the end, that's just what he's telling himself. And that really comes out in his, in his final scene with her. But in this first scene, he's just had a dream, um, uh, like this, this precognitive prophetic dream of her dying in childbirth. He finds out that she's pregnant. And so he's, he's ruminating on it in the morning, and she comes up and asks him what's wrong. And he initially says, oh, it's just nothing. So he kind of blows her off and blocks her out. And she says, no, we have to learn to be honest with each other. Tell me what's wrong. And so he does tell her. He says exactly what happened. He's a bit hesitant at first, but he tells her all the relevant details. So that right there was this this good scene that shows that he has this tendency to, to not share, to not communicate, but she actually brings out that best part of himself by insisting that he talk about it, and he does. But there's this progression in their scenes together where the next time they talk, he... Um, this was after the... Um, I think this was after Palpatine asks him to be his like personal representative on the Jedi Council. And Palpatine has basically planted the seed that the Jedis are actually the ones that are the danger. They want to take control. They want to take power. They want to take him out. And and basically he's been Anakin's been asked to by the Jedi to spy on Palpatine and Palpatine is now asking him to basically spy for him and be his toady on the council. And so he's got these conflict. He's conflicted about this. And so in this next scene with Padme, he, um, she can tell there's something wrong, but in that next scene, he doesn't tell her what's going on. He, sh he shuts her out like he was about to do in the first scene. So, and she picks up on that. And that's kind of the, that's this, progression in their relationship of him closing off and him kind of turning inwards and that's that parallels his um, fall into the manipulations of Palpatine and it gets to the point where at the end of the movie in their next like significant interaction this is where um, Padme shows up on this like volcano planet with all this lava to confront him and see what's going on because she's heard all these things from Obi-Wan Kenobi that he's turned to the dark side that he's uh you know, he's he's uh, fallen under this Sith Lord. And so the first thing that Anakin says to her when he um, when she confronts him with all of this is to just completely blow it off. And he lies to her. He, he explicitly lies to her from the, for the first time. Um, he says that that Obi-Wan was just um, how did he put it? He's he's just trying to turn you against me. So. So he, he, by saying that, he's denying the the truth of what what Obi Wan had said because everything that Obi Wan had that everything that Padme had said, Obi Wan had said was true, and he knew it. And then he reveals himself in his next kind of like grandiose um, statements to her about he, how he's going to like rule the rule the galaxy, and she can do it by his side. And um, and then she that's when she says, well, when she basically basically breaks up with him and says he's going down a path she can't f follow. Um, by that point, well, she offers him, well, the important, the first important thing is that that's the point where he finally, he's so far gone that now he's actually lying to her 
whereas previously he hadn't. Previously he was communicating, then he was just shutting her out, and now he's ex he's actually lying to her. And then she offers him the opportunity. She says, no, you can. we can leave all this behind. We can just go and live our lives together and raise our child. And he blows her off. He says, well, because he's just told her he's done everything for her. Mm -hmm. And now, she, now she's saying, well, I don't need any of that. You know, all I need is you. And he says, oh, no, oh, you know, he's got this little bit of cognitive dissonance. And, but no, because by now, even though Padme has been the justification that he's told himself for why he's doing all these things and the rationalization he's given, in that scene, it becomes clear that that's not the actual reason that he's been doing any of these things. Or at least it is now, uh, it's no longer the reason that he is now doing it for other purposes and just using his love for Padme or whatever is left of it as, as a rationalization, as a way of self-calming, as a way of convincing himself that he still has good motives, that he's done all these horrible things, include, including killing dozens of children. And for her, but that's not the way, that's not what is actually going on in his mind by the end, by that end scene. Yeah. So uh, that end scene also includes a moment where he realizes that Obi-Wan Kenobi has smuggled himself on board of the ship that Padme came to visit Anakin with. Mm -hmm. And perceiving this betrayal on the part of Padme, he does his, you know, Darth Vader kind of choke grip yeah. on her psychically. Mm -hmm. The first time he's done this. Yes. It's the first time, and it's a god-awful because of all of the scenes prior to that where the, you do perceive a sense of sincere care and willingness for Anakin to open up and to be real with the woman he professes to love. So this is, this is full-blown tragedy that we're watching, uh, in part made effective by uh, Natalie Portman's very effective performance in it where the the full realization of what he's become hits her on a visceral emotional level and anakin just prior to that also says you know i don't want to hear it anymore which you know he sounds like an alcoholic husband <laughs> you know don't tell me you know uh but that's really even the, the least of it uh there's a an, an emotion there is an emotional impact to what's become of him that we've been watching for the prior two hours that proceeds step by step by step. And I think the, the brilliance and the success of this movie is like you were saying earlier, Harrison. So this is a, this movie is filled with eye candy. It's a space opera extraordinaire, but you are also privy to the, the, the life of the mind and the different thought processes that Anakin is battling with that are in confrontation with one another as he decides step by step what he's going to do and how he should think on certain situations. Now, one of, this, one of these kind of changes and confrontations within himself comes at a very crucial point in the film. And by the way, I didn't mention at the top of the show this show is going to contain spoilers, <laughs> but I'm assuming by now After that we've given the ending. <laughs> yes. I hope it's not too late. Sorry, people. But I'm assuming that, you know, most people have, have seen this film before and may be interested in seeing it again, just to 
just to uh, follow a lot of these steps as an example of of what goes into creating the darkened mind. Uh, but getting back to Anakin's choice, there's a moment where Senator Palpatine, who is Darth Sidious, who is this phantom menace, who is this incredibly powerful figure in the Senate of the Republic, reveals himself to be a dark lord, reveals to Anakin that he is the one who's been engineering all of the, these this war that the Republic has been having with uh, the Separatists. So there is this master manipulator, uh, the senator, who admits this to Anakin. And again, Anakin's instincts are correct. He, he opens his lightsaber and is ready to make an arrest, but decides instead to go back to the Jedi Council and let them know of what he learned. And he's advised more than once in this movie by Obi-Wan Kenobi, by Yoda, by Mace Windu, a, a powerful Jedi, that and they can sense confusion in him. They can sense um, a... There's one incredible scene early on in the film where Anakin actually goes to Yoda, opens up, and says, hey, I've been having this prophetic dream about Padme dying in childbirth. What does it mean? And Yoda basically says, you know, attachment leads to jealousy. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. He doesn't tell Yoda that this person that's close to himself, to Anakin, is Padme. He doesn't tell Yoda that he, he has a pregnant partner because... Jedi's don't have partners. They they take this kind of uh, oath to their brotherhood, and they're not supposed to have children or be in relationships. But basically, Yoda tells him, correctly perceives enough of the situation to advise Anakin to let go of his fear and his attachment. And it's precisely this this fear of losing Padme that the emperor that the senator Palpatine in a, in a in a scene plays on by promising Anakin knowledge of life over death and it's this promise of power it's this promise of uh, of um, a kind of uh, yeah power over over life and death that Anakin holds on to in his attachment for for Padme and it's all these emotions that have caused Anakin to narrow his scope of of view and understanding and of being that that causes him to believe more and more in what uh, the 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 senator is telling him mm -hmm. and it's a classic prophecy tale right where he he gets this prophecy and then it ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy through his own actions. He brings it about because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone that way if he had followed Yoda's advice. So even though, <clears throat> even though Yoda hadn't given, or even though Anakin hadn't give Yoda, given Yoda all the details, Yoda still gave him the, the proper advice in the situation. And the, one of the other things that he said was that um, fear of loss 
is the fear of loss is the path to the dark side. I believe that's, yeah, fear of loss is a path to the dark side. And I mean, that's true. The things that you, if you're fearing losing something, I mean, chances are, well, you may or may not lose it, but if you do lose it, then it kind of, um, that's a lesson. It's a, it's a, an opportunity to learn something about that your attachment to the thing that you, um, that you fear losing, because that's the nature of life on this planet is that, you know, nothing's permanent. You can't hold on to anything in the external world because things can change in an instant. You can have a, a loved one just die of a complete accident. Um, you can lose everything in, you know, some kind of personal or collective misfortune, um, an economic collapse, a collapse, a sudden bankruptcy. I mean, you can't hold on to anything. And the, so what Anakin, Anakin hasn't learned that lesson. He, he, all he knows is what, you know, what makes him feel good essentially, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing in this case, his relationship, but he's not prepared to lose anything. And so that's <clears throat> like what you were saying. That's what, um, Palpatine manipulates in him by giving him this extra power over nature, this power to essentially go against the nature of things, to, to, um, to act against nature because death is a, a part of life. And that's what Yoda tells him too, is that everyone dies. And, um, and, and so that's one of the, that's one of those things that it's, it's a lesson, especially a Jedi lesson to learn is to, is to realize that, that, you know, everyone does die. And if you hold on too much, then the loss becomes even greater and you lose a part of yourself in the, in the process. And so, yeah, that's just, um, that's that one aspect. Well, it's a major aspect of, of this, especially the start of the fall of Anakin Skywalker is his, his refusal to listen to this, um, this advice that Yoda's giving him. And he repeatedly gets good advice from the, from his, fellow Jedi. They're constantly telling him the right thing and what he needs to know. They're explicit with him that, that Palpatine is manipulating him. They're worried about the relationship with him. They can see what he's plotting and how Palpatine is, is using Anakin to, to go against the Jedi. And bec but because of Anakin's own self-importance in those moments, he can't step outside of the situation and see that he's being manipulated. They're just being honest with him because they can, they can, even though they don't know all the details, they can sense, they can see that something's going on. And if he was a bit more self-aware, he'd see the same thing. You know, he might say, oh, well, you know, this is what Palpatine just said to me. You know, that's kind of suspicious, isn't it? He, it sounds like he's using me for some purpose. But no, because he's getting this attention from Palpatine, that, that feeds his ego. And because he's getting, every, he's getting praise and support from Palpatine for all the things that, well, that he shouldn't. And that, and, and, and that's, but that's really what he wants. He wants that praise. He wants that support that he's not getting from the Jedi, basically because he's being a, a, a douchebag in the Jedi. Like there's this one scene where there's this, the council meeting when um, Palpatine knows that they know that he's manipulating Anakin. So he, that's when he makes, when he proposes to Anakin that he wants him to be his personal representative on the Jedi council. And that will mean because every member of the Jedi council is a master. That means he will be elevated in rank to the level of Jedi master, which is what Anakin really wants. Mm -hmm. So he goes and he tells the Jedi council this, and they're all just like, no, you know, this isn't going to work. We're, um, we, you know, we've thought about it. It's an obvious manipulation. He's using this f for hidden, his own hidden political motives. We don't know exactly what they are yet, but it's obviously a, a, a chess move that he's making, and you're just the pawn, Anakin, essentially. Right. And, and he's like, so he says, we'll, we'll go along with it, but we're not giving you master status. 
It's like, you're not ready yet. You're not there. Um, this is strictly something we have to do because, because of this kind of, um, just because of the nature of the situation. We need, we need you to be close to him. We can't totally um, um, cut our access to him off, you know, because Anakin can now spy for them. Um, so we need to take this half measure. You can be on the council, but you can't be a master. And he throws this hissy fit. And as he's throwing the hissy fit and saying, oh, how can you do this? This is totally against protocol. Everyone that's on the Jedi Council gets to be a master. You can see, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi just kind of, like, <laughs> right. shakes his head. Everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, look at this child. If this is the reason. Essentially, their, their facial expressions and their reactions are telling him, this is the reason you can't be a Jedi master. Mm-hmm. is because you're still an infant in regards to these things. And he, of course, can't see it. He, 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 by this point, this part of his ego is now so attached to the idea of becoming a Jedi Master, totally re- disregarding all of the extra elements in why this was proposed in the first place, that it's a, a manipulation tactic on the part of Palpatine. That, but no, in his mind, he wants to be a Master. He deserves it. He, because in his mind, he is already... He knows how powerful he is. He thinks that because he's so powerful, he deserves this. Jedi Council, seeing that he's still a child, obviously, no, that's not going to work. You still have a lot of growth ahead of you before you can um, have that rank. And again, it is Palpatine that is the one giving him what that lower part of himself desires the most, giving him that praise and that, that recognition of how great he is, telling him how great he is. And he uses that several times in these other scenes. So we'll move on to one other one. This is where there uh, there's a some kind of musical dance performance going on in a in a very odd way with this this uh, hovering giant orb of of like liquid with these like little alien things floating around dancing in it. So uh, it's kind of like they're uh, uh, this space opera, I guess you could call it. Well, I imagine <laughs> that. It, I mean, it looked to me like a gigantic uterus or a you know some where where there you know. The, the the signs of life were coming together, you know, the, the, yeah. the egg and the sperm and the, you know, that there was something being kind of created. But in any case, yeah. uh, go ahead, Harrison. <laughs> also, um, Palpatine's in his booth with his, uh, his high-class uh, um, friends, and Anakin shows up. And this is when they have a conversation. All, all the other people leave the booth, so it's just the two of them. And that this is when... Uh, Palpatine gives him the story of, uh, you know, the the tragic tale of Darth Plagueis, um, who I believe was probably, probably um, Sidious, Palpatine's master. Yeah. Yeah. So he's telling the story about how, you know, Darth Plagueis was this guy and he figured out the, the secret of life and death and how to, how to stay immortal, but then taught his, taught his one pupil everything he knew and then his pupil killed him in his sleep, which is Palpatine himself who killed his own master in his sleep, but he doesn't reveal that. So, but as they're talking, um... This is when Palpatine kind of plants or waters some seeds that are already growing. So I'm pretty sure this is the scene where he says, where he, yeah, he confronts Anakin and says, oh, well, the, the Jedi have probably asked you to spy on me, right? And Anakin's like, oh, shit, uh, don't know what to say. And because um, it's, it's totally obvious, but he uses that again as a, a manipulative tactic um, to then, well, he plays on Anakin's own doubts about what the Jedi are doing because they won't, you know, because they're not giving him the praise that he feels he deserves. Um, this is, I, this is when he plants one of the seeds about, um, it's actually the Jedi who are plotting to, to take over. They want to get rid of me so that they can have full control. They want to destroy democracy and, uh, become the, the galactic rulers, which is what Palpatine himself wants to do. 
Um, but Anakin can't see that. And well, let me let yeah. me just comment on that real quick because you're making uh, you're making some good observations, fast and furious there. And one is that you know this this dynamic uh, that we see with Palpatine of accusing you know the the opposition of exactly what he himself is guilty of doing is something that we have seen in ancient Rome with Cicero and and the the Catiline con- conspiracy where Cicero was you know uh, accusing uh, Catiline of uh, of conspiring to to overthrow the republic and, and that Cicero himself was the 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 first man of the republic uh, we see this today with with Adam Schiff uh, in the government and in being one of the leads in the in the Democratic Party of accusing Trump of of being pro-Russian and of being a, a puppet and Russian collusion. I mean, this is uh, this is another just another one of the ways in which um, this film has a grasp, a good grasp of how uh, political maneuverings occur and the, and just the types of things that are being said and thought the thought processes of individuals who are vying for power and who want to influence others along along their uh goals and and their um their ambitions so uh and what's so interesting about that is you know we so we have this very personal story of Anakin's fall but the backdrop of all of this the backdrop is that we're we're following the most powerful figures in the republic at that at that time a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and so these are perennial you know george george lucas seems to be saying that these are perennial ongoing cyclical repeated dynamics in politics in in power plays in the ways that that governments uh, change from some form of democracy and republic into the empire, and uh, because this isn't only this isn't only Anakin's fall. This is the fall of a relatively democratic um, run galaxy, where you know you have a Jedi Council, you have them kind of assisting in in the in the republic's. Uh, you know they're they're like the first line of response, and and so with Anakin's journey, you're also following the journey of an t- entire galaxy. He becomes the you know with his turning, with his help, basically, uh, with his fall, he has influenced for at least another generation until Luke Skywalker comes to power and and the rebellion is uh, comes to fruition the 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 subjugation of an entire world many worlds probably because you know these guys have you know hyper uh hyperspatial travel a galaxy uh, yeah so just wanted to make that point and um we're there's another thing as well that that we can observe in uh in Anakin's interactions with the senator i think which is quite important because Palpatine, Darth Sidious, is not only turning Anakin against the Jedi and playing on Anakin's fears so expertly, uh, but he's also putting 
all of these paramoralisms and putting the the Sith, the Dark Lords, the the dark, uh, the the opposite of the Jedi, the evil Jedi, if you will, on par with the Jedi. What he's doing is he's making he he, he makes suggestions that well the Jedi want power just as the Sith want power, and there's really no difference between them, except that the Sith have a broader point of view, and they're willing to uh, engage in and and think on other other dimensions of the force that the Jedi are too narrow-minded and have kept from you, Anakin. They don't want you to know this, but, but there, but there's a lot of great things about the dark side. And, 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 uh, and I happen to know a little bit about it. Um, so, so there's that as well. There's the ponderization. There's the, uh, all of, all of the ideas that, Anakin has all of the faith and uh, and principles and morals that have been instilled in him in his training by Obi Wan Kenobi and by Yoda are broken down, or, or there's an attempt at breaking it down uh, by the Emperor, or or who's to become the Emperor. So you know that's why you know it's it's political ideology. Uh, the Emperor wants Anakin to become. Um, open to ideas that are pathological, essentially. And, and that's also one of his crucial tactics in this whole story. And in that scene, the way, the way he plays on Anakin's own heightened, like, grandiose self-image is he's already, he's already subtly... Um, expressed his own views on the Jedi Council, and then kind of planted that planted that um, that kind of tainted view of them into Anakin's mind, and then he follows it up by saying that he would um, he would worry about the collective wisdom of the Jedi Council if they don't select him to go on this mission to uh, to uh, kill the the droid the droid lord. Um, what's his name? General Grievous. Grievous. General Grievous. Yeah. So that was a that was a great line. He'd he'd worry about their collective wisdom if they don't pick him. And but this didn't he uh, before this really important mission. Th- that's when he placed him on the Jedi Council. Yeah, he'd already so placed he made him on the it council. A, a, impossible for them to trust that he right. would actually go on the mission because right. they they lost their trust in Anakin because of Palpatine's mm-hmm. maneuvering. And so then he, you know, after driving in that wedge, knowing that they're not going to send him on the mission, he says, I'll, I doubt their wisdom if they don't send you on the mission. You right. know, all along, always planting these seeds, uh, corrupting Anakin, and then using other people's reactions to this corruption as proof that yeah. they're the evil ones. You know, that's, that's a big thing, I think, about, um, you know, this kind of... Um, the slow burn manipulation by you know really masterful yeah. kind of you know manipulators is that you know if if they get their hooks into you then you know that pretty soon their ideas you know they are going to become yours and they take on a life and and a, a hunger of their own so that by the time the movie is over you know the Anakin of the first uh, ten minutes has been you know where this that big you know. Saturday morning cartoon space battle, like just mm-hmm. you know, a full theatrics, and him and his master Obi Wan, and how he's you know going to sacrifice himself for the master, and he's he's I'll never betray you. Mm-hmm. Then by the end of the movie, he, they're uh, battling to the death because he's uh, he's been lying to himself the whole time, 
yeah. the, about so many things and not opening up, not getting feedback from anybody. And then by the time he has this dream, right? He's get, he has this dream of, of Padme dying and he's not honest about it. He can't really be honest because their relationship is secretive, but he believes that he can see and know the future uh, to a, and interpret this dream 100%. He believes in himself so strongly that he, he doesn't even doubt this, um, his interpretation of the dream or even think that maybe it'd be a good idea to take precautions. Like instead of trying to learn how to end death, you can just take her to a good hospital. <laughs> yeah. Get checkups. <laughs> Make sure she's okay. Make sure she's healthy. If you have this fear about the, these things, you, there are things you can do to, you know, hedge your bets and to make sure that the mother of your child is safe, rather than trying to conquer death. You know, it's a, it's a big leap. It's a big leap to take. But this individual who believes himself to be the chosen one, um, this it presents itself as a very good opportunity to sacrifice your morals in order to become the powerful chosen one that you wanted to become. This, the hint of power is what lured him, not the idea of saving Padme. It was the lure of power and all the hooks and the manipulations that we were talking about that got planted in there that, that lured him to the dark side and turned it so that he would he would be the actual, like you said, he would fulfill the prophecy that he believed he could interpret. Well, on on that point, Corey, it's very interesting because by the end of the film, when basically most of the Jedi Council has been decimated by, you know, the, the Senator's uh, Order 66, mm-hmm. uh, which effectively changes the entire military uh, to his orders, you know, with a flip of a switch, he's got all of this power that is now at his disposal. So the Jedi's are decimated. You have Obi-Wan, Senator Organa, and Yoda, who appear to be the only few left uh, of all of these individuals, uh, trying to to fix the situation in a last-ditch effort to save the Republic from Papatine's machinations. So, uh, you know, Anakin, Anakin effectively loses the, the fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi has the high ground and, and, and basically lops off Anakin's legs and, and leaves him to be devoured by the heat of the volcano, volcanic stream. But the point is this. Yoda, in one of the last scenes with Obi-Wan, says to him, I have some instructions for you. There is a way for you to communicate with your mentor, Kijong, uh, who, who has died in the first film. So there, there is, we learn, some knowledge from the Jedi about the afterlife, about living on, th- that speaks to Kijan's new state of being and you see this in the in the movie in the original trilogy where where obi-wan talks to luke skywalker as a ghost as a from beyond so it's a nice little surprise that you get that uh that if you're not so identified with the the flesh with the physical with the material realm 
that there is in fact a a non-material spiritual uh, knowledge to be had uh, that that can be accessed in some way. So, and which was a comment on Palpatine's promise for eternal life, mm-hmm. when when in fact the Jedi's and Yoda had a had an insight into this. There's one other um, one other um, string in this kind of tapestry of manipulation, and that has to do with trust, because from Anakin's perspective, the Jedi don't trust him, <clears throat> and with good reason, you know, because it's pretty clear that they can see that he can't see his own um, his weakness. own weakness and his own nature as a pawn of this politician. So of course they don't trust him, and so and he says that he tells he tells Padme at one time that they don't they don't trust me. He's kind of whining about it, and in that moment he tells her something. He's being honest in the, in this moment still. He says that he wants more. You know, he wants more power. He wants more knowledge about these secret things, but he knows that he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So there's still this conflict in him. He's he's still you know battling between these op- opposing tendencies in himself. And then in in a scene very soon after that, he um, or Palpatine tells him that the the Jedi don't trust him, and um, so reinforcing this belief in himself that the, that the Jedi don't trust him, and therefore the Jedi aren't trustworthy. They don't trust him, so he shouldn't trust them. And that this comes to kind of fruition in this third scene where after the the encounter with Palpatine where Palpatine has revealed to him that he's this um, Sith Lord and Anakin doesn't kill him but says I'm going to I'm going to go tell the the Jedi Council and and Palpatine says okay yeah go ahead I know you would and so he actually does the right thing in that situation so he doesn't he doesn't kill Palpatine like he did Dooku he goes and he tells Windu um, what's going on? He tells him he's kind of he's kind of squirrely about the way he tells him. He just he just basically says, "Oh, it has come to my attention that uh, that Palpatine's the Sith Lord we've been looking at." Doesn't say, "Oh, I had a conversation with him and he told me." You know, he he's kind of um, he doesn't really he doesn't reveal his sources and methods. And we'll put it that way. And so Windu's like, "Okay, I've got to take care of this now. I'm going to take some of these other Jedi. We're gonna we're gonna handle this." And Anakin wants to come with him and. And I, I can't remember if Anakin says something like, oh, well, you don't trust me or something. And then Windu says very practically, if you do what I tell you and what you say is true, you will have earned my trust. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a promise of trust in that, in that moment as he's going off to, to deal with Palpatine. Now, if, if by that point Anakin's own motives were true and um, you know, sincere, he would have followed orders, essentially. Okay, good. He's going to find out that I've been telling the truth. He'll take care of it. I'll be I'll be in their good books now, and you know things will be rosy. But no, he he waits behind in the council room, council chamber for a while, and then ends up going like Palpatine knew he would to encounter to to uh, to join in on the action. And that's when he sees Windu, you know, holding his lightsaber about Palpatine, about to about to execute him, about to kill him. And that's when all of the, all of the 
all of the worm tongue seeds that have been planted all come to all come together in this picture. Oh, the Jedi Council actually does want to take out Palpatine in order to take power for themselves. And because it's it's a partial truth, the Jedi do want to take power, but they're doing it because they see that Palpatine needs to be removed from power. That he's acquired so much power on his own that it's going to be that it's only going to get worse. They're basically saying, "Okay, we need he needs to be removed from power. We we will Take on the burden of you know <laughs> of ruling in his in his place until we can until you know the system can get back to normal. So they actually do that is part of their plan is to take out Palpatine, but not for the the reasons that um, that Anakin thinks. And at one point when they're discussing this, Yoda even says, "Oh, this is a, you know it's a dangerous course of action. We have to be really careful, um, essentially because they know that that it's." It is a drastic move to take at this point to to take the to remove the the head of state and basically stage a coup d'état, and so it is a it is a complex situation. So so you can see how Anakin would see it that way because technically, all the things that he fears are true. He just doesn't have the full picture. He doesn't see what's really going on and doesn't see that that actually the Jedi aren't the ones that want power for its own sake. That's actually Palpatine that wants exactly that. So. I thought that was a good a good progression just on the theme of trust in in just those few scenes. Um, it really is it is, is interesting when you look at these themes. You can trace them over just three or four scenes, and they they all just come together pretty perfectly. So I think it's pretty expertly done in that sense. I wanted to make one comment on the the political angle that you brought up, Ilan, and that is just how conspiratorial the movie actually is. So here's this this leader that. Um, you know, has ruled for years after his um, his expiry date when he should have left office, and um, has just accrued more power to himself, um, using a wartime situation in order to acquire these powers and to and to prolong his own rule. And then it's revealed, well, it's revealed pretty early on that he's actually the one behind the separatist movement, and that against or or behind the rebels the rebels are his controlled opposition he is mm-hmm. he's actually essentially financing these terrorists to to mm-hmm. to to engage in war with the with the republic for the purpose it's problem problem reaction solution right he creates the war he creates the enemy to create this endless war and then he's the one to then step in um and as the as the savior who brings peace to the piece to this global galactic war on terror essentially yes and and uh, anakin's not aware of this at any point he's not aware that um that palpatine's the one actually manipulating the all these this second faction in the war the people that the the republic's at war at war with this is another major aspect of the manipulation is um palpatine manipulating anakin's kind of idealism and um and patriotism, and and in his in this system of government, it's that it were, he at various times, um, Palpatine listing the reasons for for doing what he's doing. He uses all the right words. We're doing this for democracy, for freedom, for conscience, you know, for peace. So by the end of the film, he tells him to go where all of the rebel leaders are holed up on this lava planet and to kill them all. Because that will then bring peace. That will end this war. So that's Anakin's final massacre in the film as he goes and he kills all the rebel leaders who have been Palpatine's pawns the whole time. And now they have fulfilled their function. Now they're disposable and he uses Anakin to take them all out. So it is it is a, a very... It's probably the the most realistic and cynical take on politics because that's what actually happens in the real world. 
And it is, like, I can't remember which one of you was saying, you know, it starts out in this kind of cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon thing, but it actually becomes this very dark movie where very dark things happen. Um, like even the scene where Palpatine orders um, the, you know, what was it? the What, 66? What, Mission 66 or Order 66? Order 66. And yeah. you see all of these, uh, all of the, the military, the clones, turning on all these Jedi and then just executing them in cold blood. So imagine, you know, having all your comrades, all of a sudden, you're going into battle with them. They all turn, with you, turn on you, surround you, and just execute you. That's what happens, you know, several scenes of these Jedi all being killed. And so there's a lot of just killing in cold blood done in this movie. It's not just cartoon violence like you see um, even in um, a lot of the other Star Wars movies where it's just, oh, there, there are some disposable stormtroopers, you know, just killing them off. Um, there's actual, um, there are actual stakes in all these deaths that, that, uh, that occur and that are actually um, quite, uh, quite disturbing, um, especially um, Anakin, you know, killing the younglings, killing all of these um, young children, essentially. Um, so, yeah. Well, so there's a, another element to uh, Palpatine, which I, which I found interesting, and that is that when he's being confronted by the good Jedi, Mace Windu, and they have this really intense uh, lightsaber battle where Palpatine loses his lightsaber, and then you see, you see all of this electric kind of zapping energy being directed at Windu, uh, and and Adam, I would just ask you to to do your impersonation of of uh, the Emperor Palpatine for just a moment, if you can. Unlimited power. That's great, and and so he is he is, he he gets off on directing this negative energy uh, against Windu, but this is the thing uh, that the filmmakers decided to do is when Mace Windu is, is in this kind of jujitsu move, redirecting this electrical uh, power back against the Emperor, you can see the Emperor becoming malformed. You can see him turning into the physical form that we have come to know him as looking like. And there are moments in those scenes as well where the sound design completely changes and Palpatine's voice changes. He becomes demonic. And I, I think that that was an excellent cinematic choice that the filmmakers made to make him sound and physically look demonic. Because the point is that, that in, 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 he's gone through this journey himself. He's already super evil and maniacal and manipulative. But he has, in, in bringing Anakin under his... Uh, under his um, his rule, under his power, he has elevated himself even further towards this, towards the dark side, towards a metaphysical uh, level of evil in physical form. So, you know, this gets back to um, this gets back to the illusions we were making in previous shows about the powers and the principalities, and and how. There is a demonic uh, reality uh, that that the filmmakers were, I think, alluding to just a little bit in 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 how they made him sound and how they made him look. 
in the in the Phantom Menace, um, you have that that dark Sith with the red and the and the black and the little horns. I mean, how much closer to a devil do you need to get uh, in order to convey the level of evil that the that the Sith embody in the world? Um, so there there is that as well. well and if I could jump in. Um, there was the scene from you know that you were just talking about with Mace trying to. Um, originally, he was going to arrest Palpatine, but then um, in the process of trying to arrest him, uh, Palpatine kills all the other Jedi and you know reveals his true powers powers with the Force lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Anakin comes in, he's very adamant that. Palpatine be brought in as a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was very interesting that he was so adamant that Palpatine be brought in as a prisoner. My thought is that it's because of um, his not having dealt with the fact that he killed Dooku in cold blood, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because Dooku mm-hmm. couldn't do anything. He was disarmed and maimed mm-hmm. uh, to the point where he had... He was no threat. Mm-hmm. Whereas Palpatine, you know, in that scene, Palpatine is like, oh, I can't hold on. I'm, I'm so weak. I'm so weak. You need to help me, Anakin. And then as soon as, you know, the opportunity presents itself, that's when he brings in the unlimited power thing and, yeah. you know, just force lightnings him out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, he was not um, in any way, shape, or form, like, um, was it subdued right. or... It was all an act. It was all, yeah. It was all just an act to, and pity ploy to, to further manipulate Anakin. And uh, I just thought it was, yeah, an interesting um, juxtaposition between yeah. the beginning and the end. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, how you can even see that as another a further manipulation on Palpatine's part by first manipulating him into killing this unarmed prisoner. Then he still, he, like, he knows, Palpatine knows that Anakin's, does obviously have a conscience. That's why he had to manipulate him in the first place to do it. Mm-hmm. So when the same situation comes around, and and he's got this extra um, personal tie to Palpatine, they're buddies essentially. Mm-hmm. Now he now Anakin has the chance to do the right thing yep. in this situation, which turns out to be the wrong thing. So it's every manipulation is just so expertly done. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, who's the actor that plays Palpatine? Dude, anyone know his name? Ian McDormand. Ian McDormand. He is just so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are moments where his face just explodes in these outrageous, um, like facial expressions that are so over the top, but so perfect for the the scene in question. So in this scene where he's, you know, he's being all weak, and then the unlimited power thing. There are moments where his he just his face flashes with this demonic glee at what's going on. He's just got this grin on his face, and it is it actually is pretty disturbing and haunting to to see just yes. just how intense uh, this character is presented on screen. It's just uh, pretty again. Expertly done. It's fantastic. Ma- masterpiece theater yeah. for <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah, I would. I would say that out of all, um, besides the original trilogy, uh, the next two trilogies, I think this is the best. This yeah. is by far the best movie to come out in Star Wars since um, was it Return of the Jedi? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. The only one I could pro- probably watch. Yeah, like <laughs> the only one you guys could have got me to watch. Yeah, the all of the, all of the recent ones. Well, none of the recent ones have like a you know a fraction of the actual psychological depth that Revenge of the Sith has. No, yeah, it's uh, they are most they are Saturday morning cartoons for the most part. It's just that you don't care about any of the characters. None of them are very interesting. And the only reason you might care about some of the characters is because you already know them, and but they don't do anything in the films to, that's actually very interesting at all. No one does anything that's actually really interesting um, or engaging. Uh, so this was, yeah, this was the, the final Star Wars film to actually um, have any kind of depth to it, I'd it, say. Yeah, I would agree. Any, any depth or any credibility as a, as a story, as a part of the mythology of, of Star Wars... And um, we hope that uh, we hope that you guys get to watch this. You know, as as was said a little earlier, it does begin as a kind of a space opera. You know, sci-fi, bang 'em up, but it quickly turns into a very high-stakes um, morality tale, uh, full-blown tragedy that uh, packs a wallop if you allow it to, where lessons perhaps can be derived from it and and we can see a lot of the things that we bring up here kind of brought out in this pop culture uh storytelling that is star wars and um unless there's anything else we we'd like to cover about this movie we thank you for listening we we hope that uh we hope that us geeking out a little bit on this movie uh was enjoyable and that you get a chance to watch the film and we look forward to another mind matters next week take care everybody